Well, hello, hello, yo, hello. Yo, Welcome yo. back to another episode of Friendos. So today we have a special episode with a special guest. Um, but your, your co-hosts are me, the one and only Sid Ravula. I'm also Sid Ravula. Joined by... <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. This is Akil. And Alina, as always. Well, we are the Friendos. Yeah. Where we talk about, you know, life, hold up, pursuit hold of up. happiness, the good stuff, right the bad stuff, right the ugly bad stuff. You know, we talk about everything here on this episode. I mean, sorry, episode. This podcast. We talk about a lot of different things. But today, guys, we have a, a really important topic. I, I would like to. I would like to think, you know, this is a super super serious topic. But I'm hoping a lot of our listeners will get to learn a lot about it. Um, I also wanted to start off by also saying, you know. I, I personally don't know too much about, you know, mental illnesses and mental health. And, you know, I feel like we definitely think, we definitely believe that we should, you know, bring on someone that, you know, can talk about it to and really respect that knowledge and have uh, credentials with it as well that go along with it. And this guest can really, you know, elevate our knowledge about mental health and mental illnesses. And my hope, again, is that not only us three here on this show, but, you know, our listeners can learn a lot and really help better yourself in this, this trying time. You know, this pandemic has really done a lot to us, but um yeah i know what do you guys think with what's going on man this pandemic has really put our minds in a different state like it's been crazy yeah what are you guys how are you guys feeling as of right now how's everything going i mean i feel like by now we're pretty used to it right because we were just yeah up in I our mean, houses for like six seven months but it's still kind of weird that this is the new normal for a lot of us like some of us have adjusted better than others so yeah right, I'm a, right. i mean how, cute, I'm how about you man complete. you doing good not, I, I want to say opposite there, but like, not going to lie with the whole, like, I know, um, so we're recording this on, I don't know what the date is today, but it's the Sunday and two days ago, I know Illinois brought in that advisory again, to like stay inside your house, you know, limit yourself to only like household mm-hmm. members. So yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I am kind of scared about like going, reverting back to how we were uh, from like, I don't know, March to May, I believe it was when we didn't see anyone, everything was like completely virtual. Uh, it is kind of scary to think about because I know, like, we, I mean, I, I'll admit for sure that, you know, I, I, I kind of let myself go in terms of seeing friends and all that. But, yeah, I mean, definitely, like, important to bring myself back and check. And it's an adjustment, but, you know, just got to make sure that we go about it in a safe and, like, efficient way then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's been crazy. I mean, life's been on a tilt since, you know, this thing called COVID-19 has come into picture. I'm sure, you know, our minds and our headspaces have been like all over the place. But, you know, the good thing, again, is that being at home, you can find your people, you know, find that normalcy, come back to it and just kind of figure out how to you know, go about it. But for the people that don't know how to go about it, we, we do have a special episode and, you know, a special guest today to kind of help with that. Um, I actually do actually really quick to, you know, elevate the mood just a little bit. You know, what are some what are some holiday plans you guys got going on? I mean, I can't wait to eat some good food for Thanksgiving. You know, open maybe some presents. Hopefully Dude, presents that aren't presents? like filled with hand sanitizers. Who buys you presents? <laughs> the people that love me. Yeah, okay. May I, may I ask who those people are? Who loves you? You know what? This is about mental health. Are you trying to just tear me down before we get into it? What's wrong with both of you? What's wrong with y'all? I hate y'all, literally. Okay, I'm doing that on purpose. I'm doing it on purpose. I don't really have voice cracks. I'm fucking 22. Um, No, but seriously, what do you guys have going on for the holidays, though? So it'll be super weird. I'm so used to just being surrounded by so many cousins on Thanksgiving, and now we have to limit our gatherings, right? And a lot of my older aunts and uncles are avoiding being around people in general because of, like, health issues. 
So it'll be mm-hmm. weird, but I'm pretty sure... I think my mom is actually working on Thanksgiving up until like 5.36 ish. So me and my sister are going to be mm-hmm. cooking everything and have it ready for when she comes back. And then I'm inviting my cousin and his parents over too. But it's super, super small. Yes. It's the smallest Thanksgiving we've ever had. So... But it's still a Thanksgiving. You, but I love your, I love your, I love your cooking though. By the way, so I mean, I'm definitely gonna be asking for that too. I got you. I definitely got you. I got so many ideas. I'm down for it. Hey, but also the fact, dude, do I was thinking about it now too? Because I had just finished like watching all the Home Alones mm-hmm. again. I just remember the fact that you're in New York, bro. If you were able to stay there during like you know Christmas time, dude, Rockefeller Center would be lit, yeah. Bro. So That'd actually, I will be home for the week for Thanksgiving, and then the next day after I come back, like I'm coming back here just to take my finals, basically, because I cannot, mm-hmm. like Lord knows, I cannot focus at home. Absolutely not. That's yeah. Back. So I'm coming back here, and then on December second is the Rockefeller tree, like the tree lighting. So I'll be here for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, dude. I mean, you're lucky as fuck. That's all I know. I mean, I just remember that watching all these Home Alone movies. But what about you, big boy? Uh, What's going on? Yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving, there's really nothing going on. I know uh, Christmas every year, my family actually does like a huge party. But obviously with uh, everything yeah. going on this year, I think we're going to have to keep it small. You know, kind of like adjust around it. Maybe like not even have anything. Just like keep it to family. But I don't know. It could be like a, it could be a new take on Christmas for us. Like just like spending with time with family more mm-hmm. than anything. Uh going about like activities with just family could be fun so uh i just i'm kind of sad though because last year around this time i was in new york uh living up mm. i don't know just i really wanted to see christmas time yeah. new york and i got to see that last year not gonna happen this year but i don't know Damn. we adjusting we're gonna it's still gonna have a good time so you know what i'll build you i'll build you rockefeller center for i'll build him get you a man that'll build you rockefeller center <laughs> I'm going to build it for you, bro. I'm going to build it. I'm going to put King Kong at the top, too. I'm going to make it real realistic. <laughs> I love Wait, it. Wait, who, know who was that guy that built the Taj Mahal? Shah, Shah oh, Jahan. what's his name? Shah Jahan. Yeah, Shah, I was Shah like, Jahan. Shah Jahan. Put my hands who? on, too? What? Get you a symbol. Rohan Shah. <laughs> yes, sir. Did you say Rohan Shah? <laughs> <laughs> Rohan Shah Jahan. Shout out to Rohan Shah. Oh, he gets a random Rohan shout Shah out this episode. I'll let him know. <laughs> all the Shahs. All the Shah family. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, you know, let's get right to it, though. I mean, we talked about the serious topic that we have going on today. And like I said before, you know, we're not licensed in this field, no means at all. But we know what it means to deal with, you know, our mental health journeys. We have, you know, within this room itself, within this room, within this podcast team, we do have like our own journeys that we want to go that we do go about. But we'll talk about that later. But like I said, you know, since we 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 don't have credit credibility with it and we thought, you know, this is a super serious issue that a lot of us can learn from. We wanted to bring on one of our fellow, fellow, you know, Indian, Desi Americans within our community. Bring her on to this podcast to talk, tell us more about it. So I want to introduce you all to my lovely sister, Anju Ravala. Claps up. <laughs> Clap for Anju Ravala. We love you. We love oh, you. We love you girl. That was, oh, thank you. That means <laughs> so much. Also, that was a great welcome. I love the claps. I feel like... Thank We're you, in a real studio. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> man, fuck you. you know? Fuck you. We're a low budget. Yeah, yeah. No, to... I like it. I like it. But no, seriously, thank you so much for having me on. Um, and mm-hmm. also, I want to commend you all for even like talking about this topic because this is what we need in our community. Like South Asians in general, like 
just don't talk about mental health and for you guys to even bring it up on such a like public platform is like great so I commend you for that and I'm excited to Mm. kind of give you guys some insight into the world of psychology and counseling and yeah yes ma'am we'd love to see it we'd love to see it (laughs) (laughs) all right don't be weird (laughs) (laughs) you can never guarantee that yeah (laughs) try living with him for 24 years oh my god that's that's 24 too long yeah wait you said 24 but didn't he say he's only 22 years old Oh, that's true. That's true. I'm I'm Dude, 25. Do you seriously going to fact check her? <laughs> <I'm, laughs> what the fuck's wrong with I, you? Okay, no, fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm 25. He's uh, 22. So you've 22. only fine. 22 Damn, I'm 22. years. <laughs> you've only had it for 22. Yes. Okay, Lucky. fine. Fine. 22. Blessed. It was a blessed one. Damn, Akil. Damn, hey, how do you catch I'm that? Just, Dude, that's my We're bro, educating bro. the audience on that. <laughs> Damn, big Damn finance ties, guy Damn here. Ties. all right let's get back to the topic though let's get back to it though so you are a licensed professional counselor what exactly does that mean like how did you get there yes so um a licensed professional counselor is the first um kind of step before you become a licensed clinical professional counselor which is just a therapist or a mental health counselor um and that's all this license that I have is actually just for Illinois. So it's, it's like, honestly, a state by state process. So like, I wouldn't be able to practice in a different state. So um, that's that. And actually, um, a lot of people, a misconception is that, um, you know, counselors and therapists are the same thing as like psychiatrists, but psychiatrists are actually medical doctors. They go through med school and residency and yeah, so, um, and they can also prescribe medicine, which as a mental health counselor, you cannot. So we do um, talk therapy. So um, whatever treatments we do, we do using um, uh, theories that are kind of uh, like based on talk and, um, uh, (laughs) talk and basically like, um, uh, you know, CBT, which is kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy or, um, DBT, which is dialectical behavior therapy, which we'll get into that more later. But basically we don't use medicine. So everything that we do, it's within like a 50 minute or one hour session with our client. We do individual sessions, um, uh, marital therapy so we do couples we can do group therapy um and yeah so there's a lot that we can do um and I'm just really excited to be uh able to do that because um mental health has been such a big thing in my life and I can say that because I'm I want to be uh transparent as possible and say that not just me, but in our family as well, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I mean, nothing too serious, but like, I have been seeing a lot of like, uh, people, you know, kind of come forward and say, you know, thank you for going into this, um, uh, career path because it's going to help us, you know, kind of be able to talk about it more. So, um, yeah, so I did my, uh, quick thing. I went to Loyola for, um, undergrad here in yeah, Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Members, baby. <laughs> yes. Um, 
so I did my major in psychology there, and then I did a master's in clinical psychology at Benedictine in Lyle. So I have uh, degrees from there. Um, and then I took the national counselor's exam and passed that. And then finally I applied to be an LPC. Woo! And yeah, so I'm licensed in Illinois and check my license number on psychology today for, <laughs> for credibility. I believe but, it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's how I kind of got here and I'm just, yeah, I'm happy to be able to talk more about that. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Did you always know you wanted Love to go it. into this? Because I'm sure that was a big decision, right? I mean, like, I definitely yes. didn't know what I wanted to go into right away. So. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It, in all transparency, I started off undergrad at Loyola as a biology major, and I wanted to go, to, go into medicine, mm -hmm. you know, as many Indian kids do. And I'm not afraid to say that, you know, like, my parents didn't actually push me to do that. I actually pushed myself to do it. And um, I realized quickly in freshman year chem class that this is not my cup of tea. So I was like, <laughs> no, thank you. And I really just like sat down and I was like, you know what? I, I'm trying to remember some things that I'm good at. And uh, I remembered in high school, I was really good in psychology and AP psych. Like I had really good grades in that class. And I just remember it really like wanting to go to school then and learn more about psychology. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And so I did it. I switched my major. And um, when I got into my junior year, I started um, this research position um, at the Children's Memory and Cognition Lab at Loyola. And um, we it was really cool. We got to do um, experiments with children at the Children's Museum at Navy Pier. And then we took those recorded experiments and I would sit in a lab and transcribe those. And I quickly realized that the lab portion was not for me. <laughs> and I loved interacting with people. So I was like, you know what, what I want to go into a field that I can like see people every day interact with them and sort of like make a difference in their lives so I did some research and I fell upon counseling and I was like you know what this is something that I really do want to do so I looked it up I figured out what schooling I needed to do for their education so yeah and then I applied and I did that and then my parents saw how passionate I was in during my master's program and they finally were just like you know what like we're just glad that you know you're happy and you're doing well and now they can't even stop talking about it to anyone they meet Sindhu knows they talk about it yes. like all the time and whatever <laughs> they're passing out her, her damn basically her business card yeah <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so yeah so that's kind of how I fell upon it and um I'm I don't I honestly don't envision myself doing anything else. Like, I love what I do, and I urge more young adults to follow my path and do the same thing because we need South Asian therapists, guys. Not a joke. Like, I am calling yes. upon all of you. Like, I'm snapping. Yes. Snaps, snaps, snaps. <laughs> there is a serious deficit of them. So mm -hmm. please, if you mm -hmm. think that's the right path for you, do it. You will not be disappointed. So, yeah. That's very wholesome. Sorry, I talked a lot. No, that's yeah. okay. Do, do not apologize for talking a lot. Yeah. Hey, at, at, at least you're apologetic. Sid does that, and he never says yeah. sorry. Oh. <laughs> we already know who the better yes. sibling is. Look at is these at this episodes. Point. Yes. <laughs> 
But I was gonna say it's wholesome that your parents are, like, equally passionate about it and they, like, hype you Mm -hmm. up to other people because that's what we look for, right? Yes. Um, Because, like, I don't know, parents like to brag, like, oh, my daughter's a doctor, oh, my son's an engineer, blah, 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 but, like, the fact that, like, you are in a different occupation and they're still super hyped about it, like, not, like, you know, and... Parents, like, I feel like they pursue things just for, like, the sake of, like, supporting their family. It's not even that they necessarily like their job either. Like, I actually, Mm -hmm. I realize, like, I don't Mm -hmm. even have, I don't think I've stopped to ask either of my parents, like, do you like what you do? Or are you doing it just to do it? Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that times have changed and they realize, like, we can't just pursue a career unless we're truly all about it. Like, all in for it. Mm Mm-hmm. No, completely agree. And, you know, it, that's that's really that it really comes down to like you know kind of standing up for what you want to do in life and like not being afraid to like stand up to your parents too because that's like so hard in our community being able to like tell our parents that but Mm -hmm. you know sometimes you got to just do it and you won't believe your parents like most likely will like support you in the end they're just afraid and that fear response really gets to them it's it's not that they like are angry but they're just scared so mm-hmm. yeah they're just as scared as you honestly. yeah that's the reality mm-hmm. they are yeah so what does a typical day look like for you then for an lpc Yes. So, um, I work at Inner Work Wellness, um, in South Loop in Chicago. Um, so we are a private practice, uh, and a private pay company. So we don't work with insurance, but, um, yeah. So my typical day is I see about three to four clients per day, which is about 50 sessions. Sorry, 50 sessions. Oh my God. <laughs> 50, me- 50 minutes. Go get your bag. You're okay. <laughs> no, that's crazy. No, 50 minutes uh, <laughs> sessions um, per client. And after that, I write a lot of uh, DAP notes. And what I mean by DAP is DAP, which is data and um, analysis and <laughs> pro- um, progress. So, um, so yeah, so we basically just write notes. And then after that, I see my supervisor. So as an LPC, I forgot to mention that as an LPC, I have to see a supervisor because um, I am not fully Um, licensed as an LCPC. I mean, I can still see patients, but it's kind of like residency um, in med school. Like they just, I have a supervisor that kind of, um, you know, kind of looks over my um, caseload and kind of like tells me or guides me in a way if I don't, if I need some help or if I don't know what the next step is. And so, yeah, they just kind of guide me through that, like my whole caseload. And I tell them, I discuss all my patients or my clients with them. So yeah, so that's that. And then, um, scheduling is such a big thing in my um field of work because time is like of the essence like um so if you lose an hour you lose like you lose that time with your patient so um uh a lot of my time is spent like making phone consultations so at at my private at the private practice I work at we do complimentary 15 minute um consultations with new clients so that's when they get to kind of talk to me, see if they like me and want to work with me. And then um, they, that's their time to like ask me questions too. So it's really, uh, we'll get into about this later, but it's really important if you're going to see a therapist for the first time, you need to have, you need to be asking them like certain questions and I'll tell you all about that later. But yeah, so um, that's kind of what like 
some of my days look like but then other days it's super like busy and I see like over six patients and then I don't have time to do the supervision so then we do the supervision on a different day when I have less workload so yeah that's about it see I just like love the fact that you see three or four clients a day I'm like all about the one-on-one like with a patient yes. or client. Yes. Um, that's a big reason I decided to pursue optometry over, like, ophthalmology. Like, I knew I was into mm-hmm. eyes. I thought that would be really cool because I want to, like, know that I'm affecting their daily life in some way. Exactly, yes. Their day-to-day life. And, like, in doing therapy, you're 100% doing that. It's something that affects them, like, mm-hmm. every single day. So it's like, when you wake yeah. up in the morning, can you see out of your eyes? Like, that's a big thing, right? Yes. <laughs> so, but with ophthalmologists, yeah. they can see upwards of, like, 100 patients a day, which is what I did not want at all. I wanted to mm-hmm. have, like, I wanted to form more personal connections with my patients, and I feel like optometrists, obviously, like, more, like, big corporate optometrists will see more patients, but, like, in private practice and, like, in other settings, you see less patients and you really do form relationships with them, and that's, like, what I was mm-hmm. all about, and I'm really glad that you have that experience as well. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, you see a lot of patients. You were telling us you see, like, couples, you see, you see like, teenagers as well. Is that what you said? Yes, okay. I, I basically see everyone except children, okay. <laughs> and uh, I I have a reason for that. It's because I um, love children too much, and it breaks my heart when I have to, like, you know, deal with some serious issues with them mm-hmm. and abuse and stuff, and so I just, I, I couldn't do that every day, and so I, and I also realized that, like, I feel like I connect better with um, teens and adults better, so, you know, that... That's kind of why I chose that path. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't let you finish your question. Was that it? I was just going to ask, like, how do you customize your approach based on who you're talking to? Because it's a lot of different groups that you deal with, right? Oh, yes, of course. So um, back in school, when I was doing my master's program, we had, like, you know, different stages of life, like, classes. So basically when you're dealing with, you know, different clients – especially with like children, it's not, you're not just seeing the children, you're also seeing their parents because, you know, you have to, when scheduling and like, you know, talking about um, their behavior at home or at school, like you have to consult them. You don't actually just see the child. So um, that's a lot. And then when you're dealing with teens, it's the same thing, but you know, it's a little less hands-on. And then with couples, um, you have to be really careful not to show bias towards e- either one of them because that could take a really bad turn. And um, so you have to be really careful with that. And then for individual adults, um, I feel like that's the most um, stress-free environment. And I would say that because like it's really just one-on-one and you kind of are just listening to one person and it honestly doesn't even feel like a session it just feels like you're talking to like you know someone that you know and like you're just trying to help them through so um it's so based on age group it's not that different but if you're seeing different populations in terms of like you know the lgbtqia community or um Uh, people with anxiety disorders or um, major depressive disorder, um, every disorder that they have um, kind of has like a set uh, type of coping skills that they need. And 
it all is it's I hate that when people say it depends but that's really the answer it depends on who you're seeing that day and um you know it there's also uh times where it's um intersectional so for example there could be uh someone in the LGBTQIA community that also has like anxiety and depression and um you know could be going through that so there's like two issues going on with that they're dealing with like um people not accepting them at home and then they're also dealing with like anxiety from schoolwork. so it's like it's really different and I honestly like what I do is I do a lot of research beforehand I prep and I make like a you know kind of goals and treatment plan before and then I go through it with them and see if they're okay with that and then um we kind of go through there because there's two types of patients I've learned um, clients, um, excuse me, um, there's one that they come in and they just want, uh, to be listened to. They just want to vent and talk and kind of just get validated by their feelings. And then the second type is, um, the people that actually want to like change, um, some of their like, you know, uh, negative, you know, like, uh, symptoms like and stuff. Like thought patterns. Yes. Yep. Thought patterns, like, um, cognitive distortions and like all that stuff so they actually want like coping skills from you so you kind of like make like a list and you know um or make give them homework and stuff so they want to be like proactive so there's two kinds and it's not like one is better than the other it's just that there's different types of you know clients they're they're there for different like objectives or reasons you know so yeah okay yeah, everything you just said made me think of, like, my developmental psych classes in college, which were probably my favorite classes in all of college. Like, I mm -hmm. double majored in psych, and I enjoyed it so much. I 100% think, like, if I wasn't pursuing optometry, I'd do something with psychology for sure. Yes. But, yes. yeah, just the fact that, like, at every stage of life, you're dealing with some different kind of crisis. Like, I think yeah. of, like, the, um, you would know this, that like, the Eric Erickson's, like, the stages of life, like, the eight stages. Yes. Yeah. So, it, that's mm -hmm. so real. It's, like, when you're a kid, you're worried about, like, fitting in and, like, autonomy, yes. like, being your own person. And then in middle of life, it's, like, did I find a spouse? Did I mm -hmm. find a job? Did I, like, achieve something? And then end of life, yes. it's, like, did I, like, did I pass on wisdom to, like, my grandkids and my kids or whatever? Yes. Um... Did I, like, am I satisfied kind of thing at the end of your life? So you really do have, like, a specific goal at every period. Yep. And, mm -hmm. like, specific problems And people problems come in for different things, that. yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you really do see that, which is so interesting. Um, is there mm -hmm. anything that you would change about your job? Like, do you see any kind of shortcomings in that field that you wish would change? Um, no, actually. I mean, the only thing I would say is that, like, I wish we didn't, you know, uh, we could open up me as in my license right now an LPC, I wish I could open up my own, um, private practice right now, but I can obviously see how that's like not possible because I need to be way more experienced. And For that's sure. why they say like, you know, you have to be an LCPC to start your own practice. But yeah, I mean, I love what I do and I don't, I really don't think I see anything that needs to be changed in that aspect, but yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've acquainted ourselves quite well with Unshu at this <laughs> yeah. point. Like, we should just kind of get into the general discussion then. What do you guys think? You definitely have a lot more years to live with her to figure more stuff out about her. <laughs> I agree. I do agree. You have been 24 acquainted. 24 years, right? She's lived with you for 24 years. According to her, 24 years. Yeah. According to her, I've, I've gotten acquainted to her for 24 years. Uh. 
which is definitely too much. But um, I also wanted to really quick in chime in too. I also I know like okay, you've talked to me a bunch of times about it, but I feel like also the one thing that I I would think it would you that should be changed in your field is like also like just the awareness of the different you know different occupations within your field. I feel like I mean that's I'm speaking from that because I'm yeah. average Joe. I don't know too much about it, but I feel like a lot of people just don't even know. The different like you know occupations that are within the psychological yes. like psychology field because mm-hmm. everyone's so so used to like you know the psychiatrist i guess which you've already touched base on but i just feel like awareness hasn't been as much and then maybe even like to to extend on to it is maybe more like some more like educational programs regarding your field like you're specifically your counselor mm-hmm. field and just in general like all like fields yes. but again i'm only speaking just because i saw you through the application process and obviously you might be obviously you're biased so you have different mm-hmm. you know have different opinions on it but i personally thought that when you were going through it um that it should just be more in general. Because I also, like, you're not the, like, like you were probably one of the first people I knew that were doing something in psychology and, like, did, like, an occupation out of it. Mm-hmm. But now, after you, I have so many friends that are doing this now, but they just don't know. Right. There's so much more out there, right, in yes. that field. So, I, I definitely think there should be more about yeah, it. Yeah. Go ahead. I, no, I was saying I completely agree with you. Like, um, I myself didn't know how many types of psychologists and mental health counselors and people there are until I got into my program. Like one of the classes, they like sat down and kind of explained everything to us there. And I was like, I really wish they would like, you know, teach you about this kind of stuff in like undergrad and psych classes so that, you know, people can decide what they want to do like then and like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of differentiate between all different types of them, you know, because like, I don't know, I just feel like, um, I definitely wouldn't change what I, uh, what path I took, but I'm saying like, there could right. be people that, you know, think other, uh, types of psychologists, like it just works better yeah. for them. For example, like a mm-hmm. marriage and family therapist, like what if people don't want to work right. with, you know, individuals at all, they just want to deal with families and, you know, group therapy and stuff like that. So, you know, that would have been right. like nice to like learn beforehand. So I agree with you. That's, that's true. Right um yeah so i mean yeah like alina said i think we kind of i mean besides me you i feel like akil and alina's kind of got acquainted i guess the more like professional mm-hmm. side of you because we obviously know you as the <laughs> as the dancing wonderful you know the funny at times I, mean, I don't think you're funny all the times but it's nice to see you it's actually kind of weird for me too now that i think about it for you to just talk about your i mean you've talked to me about it before but the fact you're talking to strangers and being really super formal about it it's really cool yeah. to think about mm-hmm. it you know just to see you uh, out of a different in a different lens but uh, I just kind of wanted to transi- transition us to, you know, talking about just in general mental health because obviously that is something that's super, super prevalent in our in our society. Um, but since I love numbers, I just really wanted to, I'm sure, okay, you know a lot about the statistics, but since I like numbers, I just wanted to, you know, just reveal some statistics that are pretty crazy. Yes. I mean, to think about, we already know that mental health is pretty prevalent, but the fact that, like, according to um, the National Institute of Mental Health, nearly one in five U.S. adults live with mental illness. So, I mean, this is according to 2019, that's about 50, 50-ish million people, and I mean, I already knew that it's kind of prevalent, but the fact that there's 50 plus, you know, 50 million people in the world that already have some kind of form of a mental illness, and that's with adults. So that means 18 plus, right? You're yes. talking about individuals that are within our age, within, you know, 70 year olds too. I'm sure my sister can attest that there are people that are that of that age that also deal with those kind of th- with those kind of things. And then um, just a really neat, interesting statistic too, and I'm actually not surprised that there is a higher amount of mental illness with with women. It's supposedly 24 5, 24.5% in comparison to men, which is 16.3%, because I, I, I don't, I'm not surprised, um, just because I feel like women go through a lot more pressure, and just in their daily lives, they go through so much scrutiny, so much more, so I'm not even surprised with that, mm-hmm. um, but another thing is, a, a statistic said that, you know, young adults, young adults aged between 18 to 25 have a higher prevalence 
of any mental illness. Yep. And that's 29.4%, 20, whereas like, you know, 26 plus, 15 plus, you're looking at 14%. I mean, it's crazy because we're talking about your most formidable years of your life. Yep. Those are like the individuals between 18 and 25, which include all four of us on this call right yep. now. So <laughs> that just shows how many people that within our own age group that deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis. And my hope is, you know, with our podcast today also and just in the future, you know, people can talk about these things. And I know we'll get to that at one point, have like a call to action about that and really talk to you guys. Um, the last thing, since we are like South Asian individuals, we come from a Desi household, I just wanted to bring up the fact that, you know, the percentages based on races, according to, again, the National Institute of Mental Health, you know, the, the prevalence of any mental illness was highest among the adults reporting two or more races. So that's about 31.7% and followed by the white, white population, which is 22.2%. And the prevalence of any mental illness was lowest, as you can guess, was in the South Asian group. And that is about 14.4%. And I personally believe that it is that low because I'm sure my sister again could, you guys can attest to this that it's just because we are just not aware of it we're not yes. being diagnosed with it because we're not going in yep, to exactly. figure that shit out like it happens right like um, and I'm, again I probably know all this stuff just because I have a licensed practice counselor in my house <laughs> but I'm sure most of you guys are aware of those things and, and that will eventually my hope is the percentage will change not because I want more people to be dealing with it but just so now just so I know and I have the satisfaction knowing that people are at least getting diagnosed with it. Obviously, I want that percentage to change, not because I want people to have that shit, but just so they know that's, that's, yes. stuff, that's the type of stuff that's going on. Um, sorry, just my quick two cents on the different statistics, but I just want you to alarm you guys just, just to show that, hey, this shit is really like, this is some real stuff here and that everyone around us is dealing with it. Um, as you all know, we're, in, we're dealing with the pandemic and I'm sure, you know, a lot of stuff has been going on and I'm sure people's mental health state are just at a different levels at this point. But even just in general, you know, Okay, I just wanted to ask you kind of, like, you know, what is, like, how big is, you know, for us people and us average Joes to be self-aware with what our mental health issues are? Like, how important is that really to go about our journeys? Yeah, so, you know, the people that come into therapy um, are the ones that, you know, kind of looked at their life and, you know, realized that, you know, either it's familial conflicts or their serious like mental health um, symptoms and stuff and so that only came from them really like accepting their reality and I think that's mm. so important just because well, there's a, so many people out there that are just too scared and they deny mm. they're in denial about like what's actually going on in their lives and they're like pushing mm. it under the rug they're saying oh, no, I'll be fine, like, it's fine, I can figure it out myself, like, I don't need to go see someone, like, you know, and that self-awareness really comes from, um, you know, accepting your reality, like I said before, so just, mm -hmm. I always, uh, whenever I um, start off my sessions with the new client, I always say, thank you, thank you for coming in, and, like, um, I commend you for taking, like, that brave step to come into therapy, because, um, it is a brave thing to do to like be vulnerable and like put yourself out mm -hmm. there and, you know, seek help when, you know, you really do just want to seem like you have it all together. But, you know, it, it takes a lot right, of courage right. to do all of that. So, yeah, self-awareness is right. really important. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I think it's just like one of the toughest things for me just to just think about on my own mental health journey. But I can just imagine, you know, like with already with all that goes on in society and also the fact with, you know, our parents specifically in our community is not being aware of it how hard it is just to come in and just say i need help and come in and to make that shit happen but my hope is again you know people like learn more about it and i feel like that has changed for sure um 
But yeah, so I also stated, like I talked about a statistic that is really relevant in terms of, like I said before, eight, our age, our age like group, 18 to 25 is the most prevalent age group, right? Yes. With having a mental, home, uh, with any form of mental, you know, mental illness. But my next question kind of is like, what do you um, kind of see as the commonality between, you know, your, your clients that are within our age group? You know, what is the most common thing you're seeing within yes, that age group? Yes, that's such a good question. And um, I think that... From all of the clients that I've had, even during my internship year and stuff, um, I've seen that, you know, 18 to the 25 group, the most prevalent mental health disorder that I've, like, helped guide through is anxiety. And Mm -hmm. I genuinely think it stems from the unknownness (laughs) from that stage of life. And also, I call that... um, I've learned about it and they call it the emerging adult. So that means that Mm -hmm, you're not mm -hmm. actually a full grown adult yet. Just when you thought you're 18 and you can get out of the house. (laughs) Nope. You're not an adult yet. You're um, (laughs) still an emerging adult. And so, um, this group of uh, people are going through so much, so many changes, whether it's their love life, their career, their, um, social life, like they're, you know, kind of, Uh, out of college getting into the workplace like making new friends losing old friends like there's just a lot going Mm -hmm. on in this age group and so I think Mm -hmm. that's why we see so much anxiety and you know in their uh, stage of life yeah I mean I I laugh because like you could be 25 you could be paying for your own fucking health insurance but you still don't know shit yes (laughs) you don't know you're still emerging you're still emerging exactly exactly like you really don't know anything and I mean I think it's a constant thing too is that you're constantly growing anyways so like you really don't know shit even at 25 so I think it's still going to be the same answer when you get older but you can be paying bills but you still don't know shit yeah um so i mean you talked about so listen you i mean like i totally agree that within even my own like friend groups my people the people i deal with, like what i deal with but like the people i'm around <laughs> i know anxiety is a huge thing like i already know and people talk about it even openly now yes more than ever probably just in a, in a classroom setting like because that mean, makes me so happy that schooling talking about it openly <laughs> right no i mean it, and one, one thing i would like to change with that though is just make when people talk about it just to be more like more serious about it because i feel like it does come off as a playful thing Mm -hmm. but um no because like i just wanted to point since you pointed that out i also wanted us to kind of like i mean within us four i mean if we're comfortable enough like to really talk about you know what your journey has been looking like because we're all within the same age group and we know what it's been like and i definitely can say that anxiety has fallen into my journey but it's been in you know in rare like not rare amounts but in like really random amounts i feel like it hasn't been always consistent in my life but Mm -hmm. for me it's always it's always been like in you know random moments and not really random, but it's when I have, like, really big things going on in my life. Either, yes. like, when it comes to school or I have, like, planning stuff to do, maybe extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it, it's, I don't know if it's dumb that it's, like, things that are just coming from, like, you know, stuff that, like, not school, but it's just, yeah. like, fun things to me. But even fun things to me can also be anxiety, like, driven. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but for me, like, I don't have too much to talk about it. I want you all to talk about yours because I know you guys have stuff you want to talk about. But for me, again, I completely agree. Anxiety is such a huge thing. Um, but for me, it's really associated with school. Um, at times when the big things coming up, you know, for like my, for my school right now, I have like a research capstone thing. So I get a lot of anxiety just dealing with that on a daily, just having to know what research to do with my capstone project's going to look like. But again, for me, it's been a lot of school. And then in terms sometimes, you know, I take, I do too many extracurriculars and I've learned that now after college, but that also gave me a lot of, you know, issues with me trying to figure out what the, cause it takes my mind and focus on a lot mm-hmm. of things. Yes. But yeah, sorry for talking so long, but I just wanted to hear from you three as well. Like, you know, what has your journey been looking like? You know, because I don't expect it just to be anxiety for, for everyone, right? So mm-hmm. my hope is that 
you guys have other things you have different perspectives on it but whoever wants to go first please go ahead Akil we haven't heard from you in a little bit <laughs> No, yeah, no, I, I, just, I mean, I, the floor was open. That's why I wanted to make sure I wasn't, like, stepping it uh, yeah. in. Um, no, I, like, so I actually like how you brought up self-awareness is, like, one of the first things here. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's, like, uh, I know for a fact, like, last year, uh, around, like, New Year's time, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I actually, like, applied changes to my life this year. Because I think last year's I became, like, I suddenly became very self-aware of, like, you know, things in my life that I wasn't okay with, things I wanted to change, I like, things I wanted to actually address like actively rather than you know be pat like i feel like there there a lot of years went by where i was like passive about issues i wanted to change and this year i decided to be a little bit more uh addressing of it um i, I can say anxiety was one of them uh, bec- uh even though that is a common theme uh in our age uh, to be honest i'm not sure how to exactly define anxiety at this point so i think that's something i gotta be like i gotta educate myself about more mm-hmm. but uh i know for one thing like you know I, I always had like some sort of like confidence issues um regarding a lot of things actually in my in my life so i like when it came to like being self-aware about that not only did i have to be aware of you know i have confidence issues but more so about like where are those stemming from like where what are the root of those mm-hmm. issues and how do i address those and maybe like you know be active in those parts of my life so that you know looking back on it maybe i can be like oh you know what i did have issues about that one facet in my life but i addressed that uh worked on it actively and can say now that you know i'm a little bit more confident in it and i can like actively work on it in the future as well um Mm -hmm. but yeah like i mean this is something i gotta educate myself more on before i like speak on it in a more like uh i don't know uh in-depth manner but I don't like one thing that I, that's been like that's something I talked to a lot of friends about this year about being self aware and actually addressing what you think might be not necessarily wrong inside you, but you know something that you don't you do need you you do know that you need to work on in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, Alina, you want to go Maybe next? She... Me? Yeah, sure. I mean, I have like yeah. a lot prepared. Like when I heard that we <laughs> were going to talk about our mental health journeys, I was like, oh shit, I kind of have a lot to say. I I mean, like I. <laughs> I like sharing, though. Yeah. Uh, no, that's good. I like hearing. Yeah, can. yeah. So should I do? <laughs> well, unfortunately, this is not a consultation. But... Sorry if I go on, on like, a long this? tangent. But, like, they're used to it. I just, like, I don't know if I've, like, vented or anything in front of you before, Anshu. But um, sometimes no, when, I, when I start a story, I, like, really don't know where to go. with. Like, it's like, like Michael has, Scott when he's, like, sometimes oh I start God. a sentence and I don't know where it's going. Like, that's me. Yeah. That's yeah. Really me. And Akil, he always says, like, you always lose your train of thought. Or I said I always lose my train of thought. And he's like, bro, you don't even lose your train. You get on another train. Like, you, like, you, you, like, switch from the brown line to the red line. Like, that's what you do when yeah. you call someone. I was like, bro, I'm aware, but, like, that's such a good analogy. Um, basically, with me, though, I feel like prior to now, meaning, like, I would say high school and, like, early college, I feel like I was a lot more reactive and a lot more, like, emotional. I feel like I let myself um, be phased by a lot of little things. And that's changed a lot. And I feel like that's indicative of growth. Like I, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't really dwell on the things that I can't change so much. Um, And I used to, like, I would let little things that I could not control um, kind of fester in my mind. And like, that would cause anxiety and just like, cause me to be upset about things that I didn't really need to be upset about. And that's not a thing anymore. I feel like I've, like Akil was talking about confidence. I feel like I've become more confident. I've become 
more mature and that I understand like I can't have everything my way and it I've kind of come to peace with that and I feel like mentally mm. that's been so good for me um mm. a key with like growing up is like coming to peace with like the things that you can't change and like knowing that you can't change them mm. but that's like okay you know instead of being upset about it um when I think of my mental health journey I think a lot about 2018 because I was probably like the lowest point in my life um I'd gotten out of a three-year relationship and that was like the only relationship I'd ever been in so that was like a huge just like coming out of that was like I don't remember who I am like who I was Mm -hmm. before this so that was like kind of like a big reality check for me and then especially like because I started dating him right out of high school so I hadn't had a chance at that point to really figure myself out in college like without him so it was like I was like a fish out of water I didn't even know who I was like outside of that relationship anymore because I hadn't had time to figure out that for myself so there was that and then um my dad I remember because he's like in the tech field I remember he lost his job like beginning of my junior year which was like 2017 2018 and he was unemployed for a long long time I don't like I think he ended up getting a job like at the end of that year but he was unemployed for most of that year and it caused all of us a lot of anxiety um just like the Mm. uncertainty with that and then um Mm. then it was just like losses in the family I remember my paternal grandmother passed away and then just a matter of weeks later my maternal grandmother passed away so it was just the fact that I had to deal with so much loss like in such a short span of time Mm. I was just not used to that like just like the loss of like a relationship Mm -hmm. and then family members it was just it was like a domino effect it was like can my life get much shittier and it was always the answer was always yes like it can get shittier and I was like why is this happening to me like just like back and forth like just between like just like oh it just like kept on going there was no end to it so it was like um every day I was met with a new low and I remember just like coming back from classes my junior year and I wouldn't know what to feel because I'm I'm one of those people that doesn't like to like cry like I'm not into like outward emotion but this was like a point where I was like crying a lot and like it's weird because I like looking back I'm like oh I can't believe I had like a phase in my life that was so hard that I did resort to crying because I'm usually not someone who's like so emotional but there's nothing wrong with that you know like I wish I was like more emotional and like more like able to express that But, and we should talk about that later, how, like, some people see that Mm -hmm. as, like, a sign of weakness. Yeah. Um, But that's, like, definitely a big thing with me. Um, But, yeah, I would come home from class, and I didn't know what to feel. So I just kind of, like, lay in bed for hours and, like, feel nothing. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad that I didn't really let it affect my studies. Because, like, all the little energy that I did have, I channeled into school. Which is, mm-hmm. I guess, good. Like, I was still kind of productive and efficient in other ways in my life. Um, I think I still, like, made honor roll that semester, weirdly, even though mentally I was, like, at my lowest. Um, mm. But, yeah, it was just weird. Like, in that aspect, I had energy and I was, like, able to be productive. But everywhere else, I was, like, not happy. And mm. I really, like, I don't know when the turning point was. It may have been, like summer like spring of that year but I just like decided you know I'm gonna try to turn myself around and like realize like I still have a lot going for me um but 
Yeah, so that kind of brings me to my next point, which is even though someone seems like super calm and collected on the outside, you never know what's going on beneath the surface. So I feel like a lot of my friends tell me like I'm good at like hiding what's actually going on and being there for them and not really ever talking about myself because I'm not someone that does that. I'm more of a listener. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's something that I have to keep reminding myself now in optometry school because I'm in a class of what, like 100 kids and whenever I do bad on like an exam or something and, and I'm like struggling, my automatic thought is... I'm the only one that's struggling. Like, I'm a dumbass, and everyone else is getting along just fine, and shit, like, here, I'm, like, I feel like I'm, like, barely passing my classes. I bet there are people out there, like, the gunner kids that, like, get it the first try, and, like, they're acing all their exams, and, like, I wish I could be like them. But then, when I actually stop and, like, talk to people about it, they're like, oh, shit, that was hard for me. Oh, shit, I feel like I'm barely gonna pass this class. I'm like, oh, wow, like, I thought I was the only one. So you just assume Mm. right away that when you're struggling, you're the only person going through that. And I feel like that's like a negative, Mm -hmm. toxic thought pattern in itself. Um, But then, you know, another thing I feel a lot recently is like imposter syndrome, which I'm sure you Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. deal with a lot. Like, yeah. Yes. (laughs) So which if you're not like familiar with it to the people listening is like when you're kind of overwhelmed with feelings of inadequacy and like self-doubt and like feeling that you're undeserving of everything that you've achieved and like been given thus far. Yes. So Mm -hmm. and you have this also like this irrational fear of being exposed as a fraud and an imposter. And that is why you hesitate to ask for help because other people will expose you. Right. So for me, it's like, how did I get this far? I'm literally at my top choice optometry school. I'm living in like the city of my dreams. Still not better than Chicago, but still like I always, yeah, I always want. <laughs> I was, go- I was about to be like, excuse me, no, 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 no. Chicago. Okay, <laughs> you lived here for so long. I, you know, I always wanted right. to live here at some point in my life, though. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm like in one of the best programs in the country and I still feel like I don't deserve to be here. I feel like such a dumbass at the end of the day. I'm like, how did I get here? Was it just luck? Mm. Um, no, no girl. And then, like, you know, no. it's like, I've wanted this for so long, but like, do I really deserve it though? And then yeah, you like do. you, like I said, you always like feel embarrassed to ask for help because like then that fear of being exposed kicks in. You don't want to yep. talk to other mm-hmm. friends about it or like professors because like, will they, like, single you out as, like, the fraud that you are? But then, like I said before, you have to realize you can't possibly be the only one feeling that way. Like, statistically, like, in my class of 100 kids, it's just impossible for me to be the one. Like, there's just no Mm -hmm. way. Like, if anything, there might be people struggling more than me that I just am not aware of. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like once you do that, that's when it starts to get better. But um, I was also going to say, like, overall, though, like, even though I do have these, like, off days and, like, feelings of being in a rut. Um, I can confidently say that now I'm like the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I feel like it took getting out of like a (laughs) long, like toxic relationship that I didn't realize was toxic at the time, obviously. Once you Mm -hmm. like, like remove yourself from a negative situation, you realize how unhappy you really were. Like there has Mm -hmm. to be that contrast. Like I was also living with like a psycho roommate Um, I had, like, an ex-boyfriend that was very unappreciative, all that, you know, I could go into that on another episode, but, yeah, (laughs) basically just, like, a lot of people surrounded me for, like, my first half of college that just didn't deserve to be in my life, 
And once they were kind of out mm-hmm. of it, I realized like, wow, I really toughed it out. And now I feel like I'm starting to live. Like, it's weird. I feel like 2018, once I got out of that rut that I was in, is when I started living, which is really sad that mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was living until my junior year of college. Um, but anyway, I also feel like I've done a good job in recent years of weeding out like the negative energy that was there prior and kind of reducing mm-hmm. the size of my social circles and kind of emphasizing quality over quantity. And that has made so like important. a world of yeah. a difference. Um, yeah. But then also I think it's the fact that I have such an incredible support system Like, I feel like I have such, like, quality friends, and, like, I'm close to my parents. I feel like they understand me more now than they did as a teenager, because I would fight with them so much in high school, and I felt like they wouldn't understand anything, even if I brought it up to them, and, like, spelled it out in English. Like, they would still, like, be like, oh, like, why do you, why are you mad about this kind of thing? Like, now they are more Mm -hmm. understanding. Um, Mm. But, yeah, just the fact that I have, like, amazing friends, cousins, parents, whatever to turn to... I can't even allow myself to be so, like, just upset and, like, like beat down by problems as I used to. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, I have a great mm-hmm. support system to turn to. I, like, can't get... Or, like, I can't allow myself to be crushed by this. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I think that's a big thing. Like, people are like, oh, you're never... You never seem visibly distraught by anything. Like, you're someone who can, like, handle things, like, really calm collected but that is because I have a great group of people behind me too Mm -hmm. um but then I also realize like not everyone has the best people in their social circles because I feel like if they did they'd be better like they'd be well equipped to kind of conquer whatever mental health issues that they have thrown at them Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean that was my little spiel I feel like... (laughs) No, thank you for sharing. That's so, like, that's awesome that you felt like you were able to share that with all of us because that takes a lot of courage. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. It's also nice to hear good things about ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Can't hate on that either. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I, I, I mean, regardless of it, taking however much every time, I still, like, love the fact that you spelled everything out because it's also nice to know because, I mean, I feel like I'm not even like, even though I'm your close friend, like I still learn just a lot right now. Yeah, even within these five minutes, ten minutes, or however long you talked mm-hmm. about. But um, I also wanted to give our guest also a chance if she was comfortable enough to give any like a, a cliff note version of maybe of what her journey has been to whatever extent it's been. And, yes. You know, if, if you're willing to talk about yes, it. Yes, of so, course. Um, so, yeah, cliff note version. <laughs> um, but basically, <laughs> I have dealt with uh, depression and anxiety in my life. And uh, I think this is the first time I'm publicly saying this, but yeah, so <laughs> so yeah, it's happened um, mostly, I think, when I was in um, end of high school and beginning of um, undergrad, there was just a lot um, going on in terms of like friends and, um, uh, you know, changing career paths and all that stuff. So there would be times where I couldn't, you know, like get out of bed, like uh, after my classes go I would go straight back into my bed and take naps and not wake up till like dinner time and stuff and um even for like my anxiety I I still struggle with a little bit of anxiety now um I do um you know it's more of social anxiety I feel like I 
I get mm. really restless and scared of how people are perceiving me at like social events or like how my friends perceive mm-hmm. me um I I feel like I don't do well with like um confrontations or like anything like um with uh like fights with friends like I need to I need there to be like peace at all times if I'm having like issues with a friend like I even if they're wrong I'll feel like crap you know mm-hmm. so yeah. you know that it's just a lot for me in that sense. But, um, but yeah, so that's just the clip note version of what I went through, but you know, I got through all of it. Um, and I mean, not through all of it. I still deal with some anxiety, but, um, you know, there's hope for everybody. Um, and as if you, you know, are self-aware, like, um, Akil (laughs) and, um, you know, if you learn a lot more about yourself and, you know, kind of accept your reality, then, you, there's a lot of things you can do to change it. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to not be okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, I mean, crazy now, like, listening to all three of you talk about, you know, your journeys. It's crazy because, I mean, like, wh- within my perspective, right, like, it's, it's it's like listening to your own friends and your own sister, like, your own family talk about that they deal with their own, their own demons, right? Like, th- it happens. Um, I feel like this next question is super relevant to everybody because, as I said before, how prevalent it is, that people deal with it and then on top of that in my perspective i have friends and family that deals with it on a daily so i mean like what advice do you have Alka, in terms of for people that you know how how as a friend or as a brother or as a family member how can they support their own you know friend group or their own family with you know their own their demons that they deal on a daily or their mental health journey like what's the best way to go about it yes uh so this is such an important question because this is where we will like make a difference in like everybody's lives so um, I want to talk about boundaries because that is the biggest thing in this topic. Um, boundaries are basically your um, your limits, basically, like what you believe, um, what makes you comfortable, and no one can like cross that limit or boundary. So um, when someone in your life is going through like issues, and you've noticed that like you know they're not coming to like social events anymore they're not picking up your phone calls or stuff like that like the best thing to do is just set communicate like but don't over communicate either because that can you know overwhelm them so the first thing I recommend um is to just text them and say hey is everything good with you I'm just checking in on you um and then if they say like no I'm not okay I like I don't feel good like I just feel down and all that stuff then you can say okay I'm here for you if you do want to talk, but if you don't want to, that's completely fine too. Because they need to know that if they don't tell you what's going on, that that's still okay. Like, you're still their friend just because you don't tell them everything. And I feel like in my past, (laughs) I want to bring in a little bit of my past, but I feel like my past friendships that I have lost now, or that I put a stop to, is because they had a warped... Um, perception of what friendship is supposed to be like like they would 100 percent. Like, I feel that they would yeah they would tell me like oh you're not my best friend if you don't tell me everything like uh no that's my boundary I don't have to tell you everything mm-hmm. so that's really important that you know you keep boundaries and um if someone says they don't want to come out you know don't don't push them that's like the biggest thing and if someone says like I don't feel comfortable in this situation I'm super anxious don't 
be like, come on, it's my night out. Like, just stay. Like, don't do that. Just let them do what they want, what makes them comfortable. Because if you do that, then, and if you, like, um, you know, if you uh, respect their boundaries, they are more willing to open up to you later and tell you what's going on. So, um, yeah, that's my advice on, you know, helping <laughs> your friends. <laughs> I mean, damn. I mean, like, to be honest, like, uh, I can easily say that I failed at that I won't, at, at times because I feel like I, not in terms of, like, telling, shitting on someone for not telling me because I'm their best friend. Definitely maybe the over-communication part for sure. I think I can definitely say that I've done that before. Maybe, like, trying to be too available or, like, trying to push it too much for them to talk because, mm-hmm. again, my back of my mind, I'm too worried about what they are going to do, you know? Like, yes. I'm just too worried about them self-harming and i know there's a possibility they won't but at the same time like i always think of the worst because yes. you don't want to be the person that's the best and you don't want to be that person or that friend that doesn't do anything about it and mm-hmm. let someone unfortunately hurt, hurt themselves and passes yeah, away from yeah. something you know so you know i mean i my mentality has always been that but it makes total sense you know to ensure and like you know remind them that obviously i'm still going to be there regardless of them telling me or not i think that's just it just like sucks because it's like the elephant in the room and you want to address exactly it. You know, and that's be there, but. no and that self-harm aspect is so such a big fear in our community as well and like but you have to uh, understand that autonomy is such a big thing in our society here in the united states and that mm-hmm. like you have to understand that it's not like it's not your fault if that stuff does happen like it's that sounds horrible to say, but, like, you are a person yourself, and you can only do so much, like, you know, so you have to understand that as well, so I'm glad that you, like, you know, accepted the fact that, you know, you failed at, you know, respecting people's boundaries, so that's good that you're self-aware, and you learned that now, but now, Mm -hmm. hey, Mm -hmm. now you know not to do that, (laughs) so that's good, that's good. Yeah. Like, what you said Um, about um, how there are two types of clients you see, it refers to, it's like, Similar to, like, how there's two types of friends, too. There's those friends that just want to, like, be heard and, like, vent and kind of, like, open up to you and, like, let it all out. But then there are those friends that don't really have an idea what they're feeling at all and kind of need you to illuminate it for them. Yes. So, like, Mm -hmm. you have to, like, kind of ask questions. Like, not, like, prod and, like, kind of, like, be intrusive, but, like, kind of push them a little bit to, like, figure out how they're Mm -hmm. feeling because they might... They may not even be able to articulate it themselves, but you guys, mm-hmm. you got to be there and kind of like be persistent and just yes. kind of facilitate. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, it's cool. Thing. It's cool we talk about this because I know like one thing that I like, and again, going, I mean, this kind of, I realized like this about myself over the last year. I think like I've always been the type of person that sort of when someone were to like come up to me and like, you know, tell me about their issues or something, I'm always looking for a solution right away, which is. Yes. not what you have to do every single time. Like sometimes people Absolutely. really just want to vent. And that's something that I had a hard time like, like coming to terms with, I guess over the last year. Cause for me, I always want to be helpful, you know, work them through it, but maybe they don't want that in that yes. like moment. And it's something I'm still, I'm, I'm still working on it. Cause I know like, you know, if someone were to come up to me even today, I know part of me would try to like go towards that route, but I've like tried to hold myself in check it, like, in terms of all that. Cause I know like, you know, Again, they just want to vent sometimes. Maybe not want a solution right away sort of thing. Yes. Akhil, I also I want mean, to... Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay. No, so I was saying to piggyback on to Akhil, like, um, you are absolutely correct. They do not want to hear, like, they don't want to get help from you. They don't want to be told what to do. They are the expert on their own life. I bet you they already know what they're going to do. They just want to tell someone about it. Like, right. you know, they just want to... 
uh, talk about and process their feelings with you. That's it. They don't want to hear like solutions. And if if anything, it feels a little <clears throat> condescending when your friends do try to tell you what to do because it like kind of shows or it kind of illuminates that fact that they think you can't figure it out yourself. That's another mm-hmm. thing. So it's. I was gonna just say also just but like I'm also like a cube like same with that. I think the toughest thing too though is since you have love for this person like your family or friend like it sucks to hear that they're suffering so that's why like for me it's like i don't want them to suffer how can i help to make them at least lessen it because like mm-hmm. and the worst part is just sit there and not do anything and that's probably yeah. the hardest thing a lot of people can't do is just not doing anything mm-hmm. because you're taught to do i mean most of the time you're taught to do something because like like no action is like terrible like sometimes no action is worse right yes. so like I, I think it's just tough again for my understanding has always been you know like it's someone you have love for it's someone you care about and you don't want to see them suffer so how can you help them you know get out of that rut exactly and make sure they're not doing that anymore because it's tough to see it's tough to watch but mm-hmm. definitely a sticky situation uh, i just had one more question basically it's all all overcome like all encompassing you know regarding mental health and we know there's a lot of stuff a lot of information that's still like a lot of information that people still don't know about mental health like stuff that needed to learn about but what are like some misconceptions people have in just general about mental health and what they What's, what are people going wrong about this stuff? Like, what has what has been the wrong, the misconceptions on it? Yes. So, misconceptions about mental health. Um, I would say that not everything can be medicated. Like, you... Mm-hmm. Like, medicine doesn't solve everything. And sometimes, right. talk therapy doesn't solve everything. You have to um, really understand your mm-hmm. own symptoms or whatever you're going through. Really understand what you're going through and relay it. Uh, to a primary care physician first and you know Mm -hmm. they will tell you like I think you need to see a psychiatrist or I think you need to see a therapist or you know either way and I think that um that's a really big misconception like you don't just go to a psychiatrist they give you medicine and it's all over Mm -hmm. from there because actually psychiatrists do medication management they only see you for about 30 to 40 minutes and then they Mm -hmm. you know if they feel it it to be correct then they send you to a talk therapist like me and they and that's Mm -hmm. and you see me for like the rest of the time like literally weekly sessions with me so like it all depends so don't just like think it's a quick fix it's a process and um Mm -hmm. so that's definitely one and uh another one is common misconception it's not um uh you can't like objectively fix yourself I mean you you can definitely learn coping skills and stuff but there are things that like you probably like like it just won't come to your head you'll get it once your therapist like you know brings to light to the fact so um don't feel like you can just fix it yourself like sometimes it's okay to ask for help and I feel like people are scared because that shows that they don't know what how to um you know fix it themselves but that's not that's not bad it's good to mm-hmm. get some help so yeah gotcha well those are all my questions about you know there was a lot of them <laughs> but i appreciate you answering all of them with full transparency and like mm-hmm. you know i think i just learned a bunch in the last like hour and a half like yes. it's been crazy um sorry i just want to give it off to akil because akil's definitely gonna have some important information and stuff that it really it's super relevant to like all of us because as we've mentioned before on numerous occasions like we are like Indian Americans. We come from a DC household and like a community. So there's just a lot that we want to unpack there. Yeah, uh, Sid, I'm actually I'm really glad that your last question was about the misconceptions because I I think we can all agree that yeah. uh, especially in like the South Asian community as a whole, like there are many misconceptions about mental health and like how we like perceive it and all that. Um, 
Yeah, Anshu, uh, what, one of my first questions for you is actually, uh, so there, there's obviously, there's a stigma around mental health in the South Asian community. Um, I don't like, it, uh, definitely in the Desi community for sure, there's like so many misconceptions about uh, like mental health. There's stigma around it. It's just like a very negative one. There's always, it's viewed as a weakness at times. It's viewed as something like, I mean, you could actually, you just said it. It's not an easy fix, but sometimes in our community, it is viewed viewed as an easy fix. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, do, would you, like, know why there is such a, like, a negative stigma yes. around, like, mental health? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so, yeah, so, firstly, stigma is basically a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance. I just wanted to, you know, define that for maybe our, maybe younger listeners, but, um, so... Yeah, so there is a stigma around mental health in the South Asian community for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, people don't view it as a real illness. They think, for example, like people that are depressed are just playing victim. They just like want the attention. Um, people with anxiety are weak and, you know, they don't, they get stressed easily. So, you know, so, um, and I think this stems from the fact that we are a society of collectivists. So that means that we give more importance to the group as a whole versus the individuals in it. So that's why South Asian parents care more about other family members and friends and what they'll say about their decisions and circumstances. It's the whole lok yakahenge phrase that parents use so often. It's like, it's another reason. And so, yeah, that's definitely like, one of part of the reasons and then another reason is that when south asians immigrated to the western world um they were more focused on surviving and like kind of um setting up their lives and successfully doing it so here and so their happiness is equated to like monetary and career success and respect and recognition in the community so if a person has all these things then they won't have any mental health issues and they'll be fine but that's very like not the case like so i think that's why we have stigma um around mental health yeah uh i, I just want to side note i love the husband reference the low mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um no i think it's i think it's really cool about how like how you're able to like pinpoint that so well uh and like obviously we've all seen it too i feel like we've all come across people that uh you know view uh, i mean i think you said specifically depression you said that depression is kind of viewed as someone victimizing themselves. I've seen it a lot, actually, in, like, my mm-hmm. extended family. or even like, family friends. I've seen them use, like, someone who's actually going through depression, they say it's just, like, a call for attention at times. And I hate when they yes. say that because it's not mm-hmm. – you can't just assume the other person's, like, mindset and what's going on in there. Um, mm-hmm. And I've definitely – I've tried to, like, educate my, like, you know, extended family that might say that. I, I definitely know, like, extended family from India, they are very – less inclined to actually understand this but i guess like that would bring me bring me to my next question is that how can we better educate like parents or even like family members about mental health that you know that might they might not have a grasp on it how can we better educate them yeah so i want to say that um a lot of indian parents mostly list don't listen to you until you show some sort of like passion behind it or like they see that you really want it so I would say 
the best way to do that is make a PowerPoint. I know that sounds ridiculous, but, you know, if you make a PowerPoint, like, showing them, like, the statistics and, like, um, you know, like, definitions of all, like, the uh, mental health disorders and kind of, like, show them that this is real, like, people are going through this, um, I feel like they will listen and... I don't know about you guys, but I feel like me and Sidhu know this, but our parents, like, if we show them we care a lot about something, they will they will open up to it. They'll be like, okay, okay. I mean, if you're really, like, interested in this, I mean, it's I, I got to put some effort into, like, learning about it. So They get bothered by it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They have, they have no choice then but to listen. So right. that's that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and then... I wanted to go into a little bit about how, um, you know, kids can reach out to their parents for help, you know, um, for mental health. Because I know sometimes if you ask them and say, Mom, I want to see a therapist, like, that just ends up being, like, a really stressful conversation because they just don't understand. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like you could write a letter, make a PowerPoint, do all those things. But um, I have written out a script, like... Uh, possible like conversation you could have with them you don't have to like you know use the exact same words but sort of use this as a template to maybe like um talk to your parents if you think they're gonna dismiss you for like talking about it but alina did you want to play the um parent sure Trouble child. be the parent oh. yeah 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 and <laughs> then the i'll okay. i'll be the child okay <laughs> okay okay nice so i so i can ask oscars bro Yes, okay, yes, okay. act. I, I want you to act. Okay. TK. Okay, I'll... <laughs> okay. Like, Bacha, Bacha, you're fine. TK, TK. Yeah. Uh, you just need to sleep and eat better. You never keep a proper schedule. So if you stuck to it, everything would just fall into place. Um, even when I did have a proper schedule, Mom, I was still feeling all these symptoms. I did some research, and I think I would really benefit from seeing a therapist. Seeing a therapist costs a lot of money, and I don't understand what you're so stressed about. You have everything. You have food, you have clothes, you have a roof over your head, and you have a great family. I also pay for everything for you, so what are you stressed about? Um, I know that it can be expensive, but most therapists take insurance, and I can do the research and find one that best suits our insurance policy. I appreciate all that you've done for me, but I really am struggling and would like to start seeing someone. What are people going to say if they find out that you're seeing a therapist? They'll think you're crazy or something. I know that you're afraid of that. I just want to say that therapy is completely confidential and no one would find out unless we told them. Okay, fine, but isn't there something that you can do yourself to fix it? Or why don't you just talk to me? What can I do for you? Why do we need to seek help from someone else? So, mental health issues are real, Mom, and lots of people are going through these issues daily. Therapists have extensive training in helping people that are living with these issues so that they can pro provide me with a safe and non-judgmental place and give me some coping skills that could really help me. I appreciate you trying to help me, but I would just feel more comfortable seeing a professional. And at this point, if they still... Um, don't accept. I do have a lot of resources that we'll talk about in our next um, segment so that, you know, you don't have to um, not do anything about it. But yeah. I hope ben that helps. <laughs> so I hope, wow. yeah, yeah. Next Oscar goes to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you for doing that. I, I just thought that, you know, uh, doing this would really help like our listeners that have like, you know, parents that are 
you know, not, not warming up to the fact of them seeing a therapist. So I thought this could help them like talk to their parents about it. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, actually, I know, I know you said that, uh, we can address those resources in our next segment, but I'm actually, I think those are all the questions I have actually. So if you want to elaborate on those resources. Oh yeah, sure. Of course. All right, guys. So this is my call to action to all of you. Um, I want you all to do something to kind of take care of your mental health. So, um, first and foremost, there are a bunch of apps that you can download. Um, so for if you're, you know, dealing with anxiety or stress or sleep issues, there's um, an app called Headspace. It's awesome. I've used it. It's mindfulness and meditation. Um, and you basically do like, you can do five minute or 10 minute um, meditation sessions um, once a day. Um, I think you do have to pay for it for a little while, but um, I think you can do like a free trial for a couple of days and then there's also one called mind doc um this is really helpful to monitor and self-manage your um disorders like uh depression anxiety and eating disorders so if you do feel like you have symptoms for those you can use it to um you know track what you're feeling every day and it does give you like some activities and coping skills for you to do um and then some instagram accounts that you can follow for daily posts um uh, these posts kind of just like, you know, give you some um, coping skills or they'll tell you how to identify if you do have these symptoms and stuff like that. So there's one called at courageously.u. She is an LPC anxiety specialist. Um, there's one called DLC anxiety. This is a mental health community for people living with anxiety. There's Brown Girl Therapy, which is like one of my absolute favorites. Um, this is a men mental health community for children of immigrants. So um, I really like this girl that um, uh, hosts this app. Um, she's called, her name is Sahaj Kohli, I think, and she's amazing. Um, and then there's one called The Real Depression Project. Um, it's basically just a depression awareness account and kind of gives you symptoms and things to look out for. And, um, Okay, so the next couple of things are actual um, uh, directories that you can use, and um, also I'm gonna plug myself. I'm in all of them, so come find me. <laughs> um, so the first one is yes. called Psychology Today. Um, it, this is great because um, literally all therapists are on this. I don't want to say all, maybe like 90% of the therapists in the United States are on this. Um, and it's really cool because you can um, choose a therapist to your liking. You can um, choose the gender, the ethnicity, and the specialties, and you can also choose like the distance. So like you can find one that's close to you and um, one that suits your needs. And then um, the next one is called inc inclusivetherapists.com. This is also another directory to find therapists, but um, these therapists pride themselves on being social justice oriented. So they're anti-discriminatory, anti-oppression, anti-stigma, anti-racist, and anti-ableist. So basically they're just culturally competent and they celebrate all identities and abilities. And this is really important because we do have to like talk about all of the marginalized people in the world. And, you know, sometimes we don't, those people don't want to see therapists that, you know, haven't gone through the same things as them. So, and then the last one is um, SouthAsianTherapist.org. This is self-explanatory. This is um, a directory for all South Asian therapists. So um, please, um, you know, 
do your due diligence, do some research, um, and, you know, seek some help if you need it. Um, and then finally, the last two that I'm going to talk about, uh, I, I was talking about this after we did the script. I said there's another resource you can use if your parents, you know, don't really, like, um, support you seeing someone. Um, so I actually interned at this place. It's called Taking Control Counseling Services at North Aurora. This is great because um, even though you won't be able to see a fully licensed therapist, you can see a graduate student therapist for $10. And they're doing, they're doing telehealth, so you don't even have to go um, in. You can literally call them, um, say exactly that. I'd like to see a graduate student therapist for a $10 fee, and they will set you up with someone, and you can do telehealth, um, so therapy online with them. And I think this is a great resource, so please use it. And then... Um, I work at Inner Work Wellness um, in South Loop. We are a black-owned company, and we do 15 uh, complimentary 15-minute phone consultations. And we are telehealth as also, so we can see you um, online or on phone sessions, whatever you desire. And um, sorry, if you guys have anything else, please interject me. Um, no, no, no. Please continue. Yes, and then this is the last thing. Um absolute last, I want to walk you guys through, um, you know, what you should be asking your therapists and just some things that you can, like, um, know before you start seeing one. So, um, make sure you're asking them how long you've been practicing, um, because this really shows, like, how much experience they have, and then also ask them what licenses and certifications they have and what professional organizations they belong to. This will kind of tell you more, you know, um, and explain more of what their uh, style and their approaches are, like therapeutic approaches are. And then you, could, you should definitely ask how much you charge and what are the sliding scale options. So this is really important. Um, sliding scale is basically, an example is if the office where the full price is $175 per um, hour, if you make less than a certain amount, then your fee is less than that. So for example, if you make less than 70K per year, your fee will not be 175, it'll be 75. So um, make sure you ask them for those options as well because a lot of therapists are doing sliding scale. And um, you, you should also ask how many cl clients they have um, uh, because you need to know if, there have, if they have over like 30 clients, then they're probably a little too busy and you probably shouldn't see them is what I would say just because, um, you know, you want to have, uh, I mean, I guess I, I don't want to say you shouldn't, but I would say that try to see someone with less clients just because they will know you better and remember more about you. Um, and then also you should ask them what is a typical session like? How long are the sessions? What kind of homework and reading do you give to clients? And then how do I prepare myself for my, for my first session? And um, yeah, so those are all the questions that I think you should ask them. And um, yeah, I, I, that's it from me, guys. I'm done. <laughs> so, <laughs> And that just goes back to what we said before about like, like the one-on-one -on -one time with the yes. you know, therapist. Like... Um, it's more individualized. Like you don't want to feel like you're just a number. I think that's exactly. why I prefer mm -hmm. a therapist with less clients versus more. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. 
Uh, I just want. I just want to really quick just remind everyone that's listening. Um, we're gonna definitely post everything that she just said because yes. I highly doubt you're gonna yeah. remember everything. So <laughs> we're definitely gonna post it. And then, I mean, obviously, if you're listening too, you could if you're an all star and like you like to take notes, you could pause and listen and write everything down. But to make it easier, um, Alina, who is extremely gifted with her arts, she will post a phenomenal um, uh, illustration of what's going on and what happened and some resources and stuff like that. Because um, I definitely, under- I definitely will be using some of these things. At least I'll be telling my friends about it, just because I can imagine, you know. There's just a lot of things to navigate, so I really appreciate you going through all of it. So we'll make it easier for the rest of y'all who need it, and we'll post it to make it post it on our IG. Um, and then also we will, I mean, you, we've already posted a lot about my sister already, but we'll make sure to keep plugging her Instagram yes. account, her inner work wellness, because I honestly think like it's a nice reminder too, because I don't I don't follow any like you know mental health accounts, so it's really cool to see her posting about it. And she posts about weekly, right? I think. Yes, and recent at least weekly. Yes, and recently I started making my own original posts, so definitely follow nice. me at unshu.innerworkwellness.com. Yeah. Sorry, not dot com. Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> Yo, I'm sorry, I'm so tired. You know what I meant? I said at unshu.innerworkwellness. That's that's it. That's the Instagram. <laughs> there's no yeah. There's no uh, underscore. I thought there was an underscore. No, no, it's unshu no? dot inner work dot wellness. Inner wellness. Yeah. Oh, okay, go dope, dope, dope. Subtle plug. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you guys have any other questions for our licensed counselor? I actually, I have one question. Just because, like, I'm just yes. like uh, uh, interested in it. Uh, yes. This is actually like this is from something from this first segment we had about like just like your you as a professional and your career. Uh, I know, like one of you, one of the things you said was. Um, how you want to open up your own practice at some point yes. after you become a for uh, forgive LCPC. me if I get this L- wait one more time it's LCPC which sounds oh, I uh, which, did have it right, yeah. <laughs> right yeah so it's LCPC which uh, stands for licensed clinical professional counselor that's okay right so yeah, yeah so um for you like to actually like open up your own practice as a LCPC what it like what's the timeline for that looking like as like like the most optimal yeah. timeline. Yeah, that's a really good question. So right now I just started, um, uh, you know, working recently at Inner Work Wellness. So mm-hmm. um, maybe in the next two years, uh, once I reach my um, uh, hour count, like my supervision hours and my face-to-face client hours, I will take an exam. And when I pass it, I will be an LCPC. And then um, after that, yeah, I can open up my own practice That's so would so you exciting. aim to do that like right away um probably not right away just because like I want to gain more experience uh, about the private practice life like I want to learn like the business aspect um, right for that as well because that's really important so I want to learn that so maybe I'll work um at another private practice or this hopefully the same one <laughs> but <laughs> um uh for you know till then and then maybe I can learn some stuff and then um, you know, open up my own practice like later down the line. That's but that's so definitely cool. my end goal. Like, yeah. And like that timeline is, doesn't seem like that long either. So that's actually so exciting then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited. Yeah, we can it. we can eventually start booking. I mean, you could actually book consultations with her right now, but the fact that she can just do it on her own yes. and have nobody to answer to basically makes that shit a lot easier. Yes. I will say one thing though. If you do ever want to see a therapist, um, you don't have to see me. I just would like you to see someone. I feel like everybody should be going through therapy. But if you don't know me at all, then you can definitely come see me. <laughs> but if you do know me, then I'm sorry I cannot see you. <laughs> but yeah. 
Um, I was just gonna also say we we've had a there were one. I mean, I, we've already mentioned it before, but all the resources my sister was talking about completely like relevant to not only with our mental health situation going on, but since it's pandemic now, completely useful at this time. I mean, I can imagine what everyone's going through. So, I mean, I just want to reiterate because we've had a, we had someone ask about mental health tips during the pandemic. I just want to re-highlight that you know yes. these are the resources that my sisters are talking about that is completely that you should be that you can use. Sorry, that's that is super super relevant. Um, because everyone's going through the same situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was just going to really quickly end by saying also, thank you so, so fucking much for coming on our show, <laughs> show, podcast. I like to think it's a show, but coming on our podcast and, you know, giving you like your quick TED talk. Um, you really, I mean, like, to be honest, I, I feel like I learned so much within this last hour. Oh, yeah. It's just crazy. Most like, definitely. I mean, I've already, you, literally my sister and I know already so much, but I feel like I just gained a tremendous amount of knowledge. So yeah. my hope is like people listening have elevated their knowledge to a different level and then hope is to spread that um spread that awareness and really just keep it keep keep it going you know keep growing yes. and stuff like that and i really hope that people can come back to us and be like yo your shit the shit your sister told me on the episode was phenomenal yes and that's that what that's what i hope too be amazing no but seriously yeah, i'm hoping we can connect people but yeah no but thank you so much for having me on um you know i take any opportunity to talk <laughs> so um yes i love it you guys are definitely Um, related yeah (laughs) but no seriously i mean but seriously it's awesome that you guys have even like put this episode out here because so many people um are going to learn so much about it and i'm not just like tooting my own horn but i'm saying like even if one person is affected by it and like you know, learns about these resources or, or some um, symptoms that they could have seen or something, and it you know solidifies that that's just great. Even if one person is affected, so it's great that you guys did right. that. So keep doing what you guys are doing. I love your podcast, and I'm not just saying that because hey. I'm related to one of the uh, speakers. But yeah, <laughs> who, who you related to? Yeah, who who are you talking about? I mean, you've only known me for 24 years. Um, <laughs> this loser named Sid. <laughs> Also, I call um, Sid Sidhu at home. So if you want to annoy him, call him Sidhu. No, do not. Yes. Oh, we've been calling we him. We already that. do that, bro. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. No, you haven't known me for 24 years. You only have to know me for 24 years in order to say. Oh that, my so god. I'm sorry. That's not gonna happen. Damn. So my lovely co-host, do you have anything else to and send us out here? Anything else? Any final messages? Final from messages. Any any final words, Akil? Anything from uh, any I final just, words from both of you? I like. I would just want to say, like, keep educating yourself. I think I've learned so much in the last, mm. like, uh, like, uh, what, what are we recording? An hour and a half now? Yeah, I th- I've learned yes. a yeah, lot in yeah. the last hour and a half. Even, like, you know, I know I talk about self-awareness a lot, but even, like, you know, a- after learning more about in the last hour and a half, I feel like there's even more about myself that I got to, like, you know, delve into and, like, figure out. So, yeah, just yes. keep learning. Keep pushing yourself to actually know more about yourself. And that's how you're going to, I don't know, grow as a person. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, just a couple uh, things I wanted to reiterate. We talked about parents. I yes. feel like that's going to be a big takeaway mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about earlier how like India is such a collectivist society, and that's why we care so much more about what other people mm-hmm. will say. And then our parents, like when they hear that um, their kids are suffering from various mental illnesses, they take it as like a hit to their own like parenting. You know, like they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. They cite it as Um, an indicator of their own inadequacy and I think that's why you know the stats that you report at the beginning with like it being so low in the South Asian community I'm gonna say that's cap 
Like, there is just no way that it's that low. Because even said, like, people who have multiple identities, identify as biracial, whatever, they're probably going to have much more mental issues. And with us especially, like, we're Indian American. Like, we had an ABCD Mm -hmm. episode. There is so much tied into being, like, Indian by ethnicity, but then American, because you were born here. Mm -hmm. There is so much more that we deal with that a lot of people would not even begin to relate to. So... Yeah, there's just no way that we would have, like, less of a prevalence of mental health issues in our community. Um, But anyway, yeah, take into account what we said about educating your parents. That'll be a big takeaway. And then also with just, like, during the pandemic right now, remember to take care of yourself. Like, take some time for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, think about, like, what you can do. Like, little mindfulness apps and whatever posts that you can subscribe to. Look into that if that's something you want to do. Um, and then I feel like a big part of the pandemic that made me feel kind of like anxious and just like useless some days, like just down on myself was the fact that I didn't have like a routine. So what I recommend to people is like, if you don't have a routine, like make one. That's always like something that's good to have. Um, something that I started to do, um, is like go on walks in the morning with my roommate. And I feel like I come back so much more refreshed and like, my energy levels are up, my motivation's up, and I feel like that translates into how I do in school, too. So if you're not someone with a set routine, try to make one for yourself, and you will notice, like, a world of a difference. So, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One last thing. I-, I wanted to say this the whole entire episode, and I completely forgot, but um, I want to say if you're, you know, stressed out about the pandemic and, um, you know, are have- feeling anxious, I say... One thing that is so helpful and it's so small is like change your environment. Like don't don't leave your curtains, like uh, like Close. yeah, <laughs> like open <laughs> open open your curtains. Um, turn on the light and mm-hmm. see how much of a difference that makes. Like it's so mm-hmm. small, but it, I'm telling you, it'll lift your like mood and um really make you feel better so and maybe change rooms too because i know we're all going to be cooped up for a little bit so (laughs) change the room that you're in sit in a different spot that you don't normally sit at and it i'm serious it'll change you a a quote that really resonates with me and this refers to like anything not just like mental health it could be like relationships whatever it's you can't possibly heal in the same environment that made you sick like that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. so always remove yourself from that if you want to see any mm-hmm. kind of results. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who's that bad? I have no idea, but I read that somewhere. I'll leave a quick one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, made that up. It's, it's me original. now. It's me. <laughs> it's by the OG. Oh, my God. Well, really quick last message for me is, guys, all the stuff that we talked about today is going to be posted. And if you are a new listener, thank God you finally showed up. It's about damn time you listen to us. But... <laughs> If you have a new follower, please follow us on our IG. It is F-R-I, the number three, N-D, the the number zero, S, lowercase S, and underscore. Those letters are all underscore. You do not have to do this every letter. episode. <laughs> hey, I'm going to do this every episode because we are gaining new followers by the minute. But you, you realize that the way that they got to the episode is from the IG, most likely, right? There's a possible chance that, you know, people are listening to us on Spotify Spotify. that don't know. Yeah, Spotify (laughs) promoting us now. Maybe. (laughs) 
Because we got to get discovered somewhere or another. And we put way too much effort on this damn episode for no one to listen to. Yeah. So <laughs> but yeah, please follow us on our IG. Follow my sister as well. She's plugged it many times and we're going to also plug it again. But just want to thank you all for listening. And we have a lot of big things coming in the future. And my hope is also we can do more episodes like this. Maybe more mental health episodes too. Because that, this topic is not uh, this topic is a constant discussion. And we're not going to stop right here talking about it. So we're going to keep the conversation going. And I keep making it happen. And we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Stay stay humble. Stay safe. Stay. Be happy during this pandemic time. And we love y'all. If someone signed this man as a motivational speaker. For <laughs> I'm everyone's hype man, baby. All right, friendos. Right, guys. Peace right. out. See Bye. y'all next time. Signing off. Bye.